conspiracy theories, eh? Wait till you get a load of this. Hello, and welcome to Cracked Sisters Conspiracies, where podcast that covers conspiracy theories, mysteries, and all of our spooky shit. My name's Jackie. And I'm Cassandra. And we are Said Sisters. Hello. Hello. Oh, has your significant other returned from a yes. bad He got back at like midnight yesterday. He had to do some stuff today, so I've, I haven't seen him the whole day. But he came back bearing gifts, so I was pretty excited. I saw you had a big Bucky's tumbler. So oh. Alex has fallen in love with Bucky's. He went I to have two, heard. Alabama, one in Texas. I've heard amazing things. Me too. Marissa hit me up. To, or actually, she sent me, she's like, hey, I'm sending you a very tiny something in the mail for Christmas. Can you give me your new address? Mm-hmm. So I did. And it's just a handwritten note. She goes, hey, I'm in Texas. I just thought if you wanted to say hi. By the way, have you ever heard of a Bucky's? It's fucking amazing. And I'm like, that is the funniest thing that you mentioned that because Alex is going and he bought everything at the store. I have heard great things and I would love to visit. I hear it is an experience. I know. I'm very sad I, I didn't get to go. But yeah, so he went there. I made him go to Roswell, New Mexico. Oh. Because he, he mentioned he was driving through New Mexico, and I didn't know where Roswell was in relation. But on his way back, I made him take, like, a six-hour detour to make sure he went through it. So he got me, like, a T-shirt and, like, a little coaster. It says, landed in Roswell, love the city, and then left. <laughs> and then I got this shark that, like, you could kill someone with. Is it, it just, like, really dead? Oh. It's lavender-scented, and it goes in the microwave for 90 seconds. Oh, it's, it's one like of the warm, like the cramp thingies or the warm oh, thing. Maybe. I don't know, but it's fucking dense. Like I could I could kill you with this thing. Does it have like rice inside of it? It had beads, maybe, or something. Oh, yeah, maybe okay. rice. Interesting. Yeah. Very cute. I got though. Cowboy boots. Didn't ask for that, but I got oh, some. Nice. Yeah. We love a good surprise gift. Indeed. What have you been up to? Just erasing all traces of Christmas and starting over with my life. for the year there you go uh just trying to get a a sense of order reestablished but did some reading this weekend i am trying to do my two million dollar puzzle which is an absolute it's a fucking nightmare so what it is is you don't have a reference photo and so you have to put it together and it's a qr code that once you're done, you scan it and then it takes you to the website and then you put in your special code from inside and you find out every everyone's a winner, whether it's a dollar or $2 million. Fun. Yeah, but it's very difficult. <laughs> I got yeah, I saw that. I didn't remember seeing... I, th- I just saw blue and I thought maybe you were just recreating what the front of the box said. No. Very long. Because I didn't know what it looked like. <laughs> so I got the border done. And it's only, I say only, it's 500 pieces, but the pieces are small. So it's a lot. It's okay. So I'm chipping away at that slowly but surely. That sounds stressful. Yeah. So, you know, exciting stuff. And I'll be starting my double life as a football mom this week. So sure, I'll have a nervous breakdown because I don't do well with change. (laughs) Just bring alcohol and snacks and good seating. We'll see how that goes. I have no (laughs) idea what to expect. Okay. um, 
I will keep you posted. Hope, maybe I'll make a friend. That's my goal. There you go. <laughs> I know. I signed up for Planet Fitness out here because oh, now okay. I realized I went eight days without leaving the house or talking to a single person and I was starting to lose my mind. Sure. Uh, so I said, this is not healthy. I need to leave. So I did that and I went there today. It's really big. Oh, good. How far yeah. away is it? It's uh, 12 minutes. I mean, I think that's like the distance to most things out there, it seems. Like, even if they're a few yeah. miles away, it takes like 10 to 15 minutes to get Yeah, everything's there. like two and a half miles or three miles. But yeah, it takes anywhere from 12 to 15 minutes usually to get somewhere. Well, good. I'm glad you have an outlet to get out of the house and, you know, maintain some sense of sanity. Indeed. Speaking of sanity, let's get insane and talk about our topic. (laughs) Which I forgot. What is it? You were supposed to. I know you didn't, but it would have been helpful if you watched the movie Leave the World Behind on Netflix. Yeah, no, we we tried to watch it and then I just couldn't do it. So it's that. It's all like the Easter eggs, the hidden messages of that movie. Well, I'm sure your retelling or rendition is going to be more interesting because, yeah, I fell asleep. I just wanted you to have like a mental image to go with what I was saying, but that's okay. We can go into this blind. Did you Um, watch Saltburn? No, I watched the first four minutes and I I don't know what in the gay this is, but I don't know if I'm in. It seemed like they were gay lovers. Out of four minutes? Okay, ma'am. You did not give it. It's the guy from Euphoria, right? Jacob Elordi? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. The first thing he says is, I don't know if I'm in love with him, but I love him. But it's just like just showing various pictures of him shirtless. Okay. Everyone fucks everyone in the movie. You got to watch it. You were supposed to watch this movie. So. Okay. So you know what? We both failed each other. And Please then wait. I was finally in a place where I was ready to watch the Barbie movie. But it could because your HBO ran out. Oh shit! Sorry. <laughs> I okay. think I I own it. I don't know if I can share a digital copy with you. I don't know. I'll figure. Oh. Maybe okay. I'll see if I can do that. But anywho, let's talk about your topic. Okay. So, like I said, this is the movie on Netflix. Leave the world behind. It's all their Easter eggs, potential hidden meanings, and shit. If you haven't seen the movie, this is a big spoiler alert. Just so you know. So maybe if you haven't seen it yet come back after you've watched it from what i heard so far 2024 is shaping up to kind of play out how the movie goes it was a very interesting movie and a a very specific series of events happened but i think these are kind of random series of events that could happen at any time but they're like purposely finding them and pulling it to make it seem like oh my god it's following the timeline of the movie got it okay eight days into this new year i think it's a little early god it's only been eight days I thought we for sure we were in February already. <laughs> oh, fuck. Okay, so Leave the World Behind is a film about a family's getaway to a luxurious rental home that takes an ominous turn when a cyber attack knocks out their devices and two strangers appear at the door. The two families then find themselves together as apocalyptic chaos erupts around them, including plane crashes, cyber attacks, and herds of very creepy deer. Well, I mean, the cyber attack that recently happened, that was only a few months ago in Las Vegas, and then like the mortgage companies. And then the new year started with a plane crash in Japan. So, you know. 
I really should watch the news. I I think I heard of the Vegas one because you couldn't play anything like slots machines and stuff. I think it was the MGM or I don't remember which major oversight company, but like it affected multiple casinos where like people couldn't get into their rooms. Like, you couldn't gamble. It was a it was a nightmare. Where was the plane crash? Plane crash happened in Japan. It was a carrier plane ended up colliding with a not Air Force. It was one of the military planes that was there that oh. shouldn't have been there. And yeah, it like killed everyone on the, the government side. <laughs> Jesus. But yeah. that, I just rewatched Soli right before they got on a plane. It's such a good movie. Oh, the one where he like landed in the river? Yeah, the Hudson, Tom Hanks. Yeah, that's right. Anywho. Anyway, so the cast of this movie includes Julia Roberts as Amanda, Ethan Hawke as Clay, and their two children in the movie named Archie and Rose. There's another family whose characters' names are G.H. and Ruth, and it was directed by Sam Esmail. Two executive producers, which is like a big, which I think started the whole conspiracy on this movie, was Michelle and Barack Obama. Oh. Um, they Yeah, they were two executive producers. Obama has been quoted saying that he had... You know, he was trying to give it, like, a realistic feel. And I guess people, after they saw the movie, were like, this is fucking terrifying. I think, you know, the director maybe went a little crazy. He goes, no, this is actually exactly how something, like, catastrophic world failure would happen. And, yeah. I wonder if they're trying to set the stage. It's an election year. And so Michelle Obama might be, like, a surprise runner at the end. Just And then she can be like, look. Look what I did with my movie. I can take care of everything in the world. It's a terrifying movie. (laughs) I would not vote for her based on her role in terrifying humanity. (laughs) Okay, so director Esmail has been quoted in saying, quote, I had been interested in doing a disaster movie for a while, while specifically wanted to do one surrounding a cyber attack because I don't think a lot of people have a concrete idea of what that would look like or how detrimental it would be, not just to America, but globally. The impact of technology on society is something that I've always been fascinated by, and I really do think it dramatically changed the way we interact and evolve as people, end quote. Well, yeah. I kind of just, like, categorized the different, because there's literally, I mean, this was, like, a three-hour movie. You could probably find nine trillion different Easter eggs or hidden messages. So I took the big ones that most people are talking about. I tried to find a couple little ones and I kind of just put them in a category. So we're just going to kind of run through the categories. Sure. Okay. So the first category is going to be the artwork. There's a large mural in the rental house's primary bedroom that is waves in the ocean. So like one of the first couple scenes, it shows the bedroom and it's just a whole entire wall with a bed, but the wall is these kind of calm waves. It's kind of like you're in the middle of the ocean. It's not like you're at the sand and you can see the beach. You're literally in the ocean, basically. And it's very calm. This is just the painting, though? Yeah, it's a mural on the bedroom wall. Interesting. See, to me, just a large, ominous body of water. It might not seem ominous, but a large body of water, to me, is like anxiety-inducing. That's not calming to me. (laughs) No, I I agree. Most of the stuff in the movie, I think, was meant to be not... Um, like unsettling like yeah unsettling that's a good word yeah so similar to the mural there is a large art picture in the living room of the rental house it starts off as a clear but still abstract image and it becomes more and more jumbled as the movie progresses interesting a big thing about these two things is the movie starts off pretty calm 
small things happen and then you're starting to kind of build your uncomfortableness and then it just keeps going and going and going until the absolute end. So two things that happen with these, and I guess if you're not paying attention or you don't know about it, you could miss it very quickly, is as the movie starts to get more unsettling, the waves become more and more crazy. Oh. And, if you're, and it's like little flashes of it or they're they're having a conversation on the bed and it's in the background. But if you're not paying attention, you could totally miss that it went from calm waves to kind of choppy weather to you're like in the middle of a fucking storm. So it's matching the vibe as the movie goes on. Yes. And same with this big painting in the downstairs living room. It looks like three hooded figures, I guess. Like it's all abstract. It's like a black background with like white. It gave like KKK vibes, honestly. Um, <laughs> But it has like three white figures. And as the movie again progresses, it starts to get more jumbled and look like just like random static. And on Patreon, I'm going to post everything that I talk about. I'm going to post a picture of to go along with this episode. And additionally, when the Stanford family, which is the main characters, when they enter the rental home for the first time, there is a blue and white painting on the wall with the all-seeing eye, which some link as the poster sign for the Illuminati. So it's like panning through the house and it captures a white canvas with like all these blue eyes on it. Oh. And it's like being Illuminati eye. That that would be a hard no for me. I don't want anything with eyes in my house. I think it's creepy. Yeah. Because they're going to follow you whether they really are or not. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're yeah. just like painted, not like realistic eyes. It's kind of like a crude, you know, painting or whatever. But some of the themes that people believe this movie is trying to subtly or maybe not so subtly show uh, because it's going to come up is the devil that okay. comes up later. The Illuminati. That's a big mm-hmm. one. So this is like the start of it. Racism is a big one. It's kind of weird because everyone that I've watched or the videos I've looked at or the research I've done, everyone kind of has what they believe the theme of the movie is. So they find things to relate to that theme, but there's so many themes that people are pulling shit and it could literally be any single one of them or it could be absolutely none of them. So it's kind of interesting. Well, just from what I've gathered from people in general, when shit starts to hit the fan, all of the worst sides of people come out. And so, yeah, if we devolve into our worst selves, that's not surprising. There you go. Okay, so now we're going to talk about the maps. So in one scene, there is a giant U.S. map on CNN showing red dots all over the country and the headline read, quote, cyber attack across the country, end quote. Inside of the map over Kentucky, there's a QR code. So like, you know how like you see those maps where it's like, oh, effect areas affected and it's the red dots or whatever, and it kind of covers the whole map. Yeah. So it does that, but the, inside of it, they've hidden a QR code that's not super hidden. So if you scan the QR code, being, you know, a person watching this movie, it leads you to a website about Lake Shawnee Abandoned Amusement Park in Mercer County, Kentucky. Oh, interesting. So a little bit of backstory about that, because actually I wanted to cover it, but there probably isn't enough. So I figured I'd just throw it in this episode. So during the late 1700s, a man named Mitchell Clay brought his family out west They established an 800-acre farm and raised 14 children. In 1783, a Native American tribe kidnapped one of the clay children, Ezekiel, and killed another one of their children. They didn't kill Ezekiel right away. Instead, they burned him at the stake. Cool. Clay, the father, retaliated and hunted down and killed several Native Americans. 
In 1920s, an amusement park was created with rides and attractions such as circular swings, a water slide, a dance hall, a speakeasy, and they also added a pond and a swimming hole complete with canoes. They're trying to make it a fun, family-friendly amusement park. Sure. Shortly after opening, a little girl died on the swings and a boy (laughs) drowned in the pond. (laughs) Great start. Altogether, roughly six visitors died during the amusement park's brief history in 1966, and then the park was quickly abandoned. 20 years later, another businessman named Gaylord White saw the area and thought it was an ideal place to build a neighborhood. During the initial excavation, the construction crew unearthed bones and Native American artifacts, proving that it was literally on top of an Indian burial ground. So that would be a hard stop right there. You put that shit back, you walk away, and you try to wash all of those curses off of you because you are fucked. So now Lake Shawnee is just a haunted ass place and they do all the ghost tours and and that kind of stuff. Going back to maps, there's also a large green and red U.S. map above the bed in the basement of the rental house. This information I'm about to talk about, but this map, it's the green and red map. Looking back at it, I only see green and red. There's no white and then the only black is like the writing to label every part of the map. I got this information from a TikToker who we talk about a little bit later. Her name is Auntie underscore Coulette. And apparently she's bonkers, but like she's very into this. So based on her videos I saw, she believed the themes were antichrist and racism. So this specific part I'm about to talk about came from her, kind of. Because when she explained the story, she goes, oh, it had these four colors, the red, the green, the black, and the white. I think she threw the white in there. And she talks about, she goes, do you know what else those four colors represent? And that's the four horsemen in the apocalypse, which I'm not religious. I didn't know a lot about. So I looked it up, but she was wrong on multiple (laughs) levels. So when I looked it up, I found the four colors were red, white, black, and pale. So there's no green. And green is at least half of the colors on this map. Okay. But as far as the four horsemen go, red is for war, black is for pestilence, white is for conquest, and pale is for death. But going back to the map, if we're going to completely disregard her four horsemen theory, it's still a very interesting looking map. It's very specific with the green and the red. But we're going to disregard the crazy lady. Okay. We're going to disregard her. Yeah. But I figured she's like very popular on TikTok about this. So I figured I would give her her little time. Sure. Yeah, so going back to the map, it says 1971. That's like a theme in the movie that you see a couple different times. Okay. So if you zoom in to the top of the map, it says, quote, United States of Attica, founded by the American people on September 13th, 1971 at Attica Prison, where 42 men gave their lives in a harrowing struggle for freedom, end quote. So like you really have to zoom into the map, but it says that all at the top. Does it look then, like the U.S. though, or just like a portion of it? Or no, it's it's it, so it's a U.S. map. The whole picture is cut into fours, and it's like red, red, green, green. Kind oh, of thing. interesting. Um, yeah, okay. but it it talks about Attica, and so for those that don't know, the Attica prison riots did indeed happen, and they took place from September 9th to September thirteenth, in nineteen seventy one. Technically, a total of forty three people died during the riots, not forty two. The prisoners had taken 42 staff members hostage, and 11 correctional officers ended up dying. Wow. At the bottom of the Attica map, it said, quote, this map of American violence is incomplete. Please write in whatever you find lacking, end quote. So that's kind of like an interesting, oh, and I guess since you haven't seen it, I should mention, the one family is white and the other family is black. The owners of the house (laughs) are black. 
So they have this very lovely, beautiful, fancy house. The father does really well. This is all his artwork in his house. Uh, And if you're going to lean into the racism ploy, then that's kind of important to know. Now let's talk about a couple of the books that are in the movie. At the beginning, there was a wide view of Clay in Amanda's bedroom. And on Amanda's nightstand was a copy of Malcolm Gladwell's book, Blink. Blink is about how we as humans make snap judgments and why we make the gut judgments that we do. And when it's not safe to trust your gut and how to make smarter and less biased judgments in general. In the movie, Amanda, Julia Roberts' character, she makes a lot of quick judgment calls, specifically about G.H., who is the black guy and his daughter, Ruth, when they return home unannounced. It's kind of like a a very specific moment. So they're like in this house and kind of weird things are happening. And then they get a knock on the door late at night. And it's like an Airbnb. They're renting it. And this black man and his black daughter say, hi, this is kind of awkward. You know, I'm the owner of the house. Something happened. Can I come in? And she instantly is like, I don't trust you. Let me see your ID. I don't know who you are. I don't think that you could own this type of house. And she does that a lot throughout the movie. She's very untrustworthy of this family. And I mean, I I was with her until the, I don't think you can own this type of house. I'm like, if she doesn't say that until later, I was with her at least 70% of the way. Dad thought she was bananas. It was very interesting to kind of watch everyone's perspective on how far they went with her and her feelings. But okay. I mean, I am naturally very distrusting of all people. So that would be my first reaction, regardless of race. Her big thing, and as a character, she's like, I hate people. People suck. People are the worst. I don't trust people. So she's already a very untrustworthy person to begin with. So that that book was on her nightstand, which is a real book. Got it. In the window of Amanda and Clay's room, there was a book titled 1971. And again, Attica happened in 1971, which was mm-hmm. what that map we just talked about was. But according to the Google machine, these other significant events happened in 1971, to which the book could be referencing. There was the passing of the Public Health Cigarette Smoking Act. Okay. The body of former world heavyweight boxing champion Charles Sonny Liston was discovered by his wife at their home in Las Vegas. It was suspected that he had been dead for around six days before being found. Oh. And there are many theories about his death, despite the police declaring his death a heroin overdose. Okay. Chemists at Berkeley announced the first synthetic product of a growth hormone. In Belfast, the IRA tarred and feathered four men in a punishment attack after they were accused of criminal activities. Reverend Philip Bergen and others, including a nun and priest, were indicted into the U.S. federal grand jury for a plot to kidnap Henry Kissinger. Oh, uh uh-huh. Who is that? I know who he is, but I don't know why I know who he is. Hold on one second. I did the same thing. I think he's a terrible person who just died. Henry Kissinger. Oh, that's right. He was the former uh, U.S. Secretary of State. He was a diplomat. He was a scientist. And he was, yeah, kind of a, a shit stirrer and didn't do great things. Well, apparently the priest yeah. and some nuns wanted to kidnap him. Yeah, he was a political figure. That's that's not unsurprising. Okay. Charles Manson, along with his three of his women followers, were convicted of the Tate LaBianca murders. Oh. And all of these events that I just told you were just some things that happened in January. If I were to go through the whole entire list, we could make, it would be, you know, 10 hours long. So it could only be referencing Attica because obviously it has the Attica map. It could be referencing a million other things that happened in that year. Who knows? Oh, interesting. One comforting bit of information, knowing that that all took place in a single month in a year, just 
considering the amount of knockdown drag out events we have had every month for the last three plus years it's i guess that's just normal so i think it just depends on how much you pay attention i specifically do not watch the news i refuse only Uh, yeah i don't if something is so popular that people i'm friends with are like reposting it because i think i'm a much happier person for not watching the news so stuff's constantly happening. You just might not be aware of it. Right. That That is true. Yeah. I stopped watching the news years ago. I'll skim like headlines and stuff just so I have an idea of what's going on. Mm-hmm. I might like read stuff yep. if it has an impact. Denied. But Okay. So now the slavery connections. Okay. Kind of early on in the movie, there is a giant ship that gets beached while the family is enjoying a nice vacation day at the beach. So... They're like laying out on the sand, you know, hanging out. So Rose is very smart. She picks up on a lot of things and no one pays attention to her. And that's kind of like the running joke is that she keeps saying things, but literally no one's fucking listening. But if they did, they might be in a better position. So I she's identify watching. with Rose. Yeah, right. Sorry. So <laughs> she's like standing there and she goes, oh, there's a ship that's very close. That's interesting. And no one's listening. And then, you know, it cuts away. It comes back and she's just staring. She's been standing for who who knows how long and just staring at this. And everyone's like, oh, what are you doing? She goes, look at this fucking ship. And it is now right here. It is massive. And it's coming straight for them. And it takes everyone an embarrassing long amount of time to realize they should probably run out of the way. It ends up beaching itself and no one's injured. But the name on the ship was White Lion. And if you Google what the White Lion ship was, it was a real ship. It was the name of an English privateer operating under a Dutch letter of marquee, which brought the first African-Americans to the English colony of Virginia in 1619, one year before the arrival of the Mayflower in New England. Though the African captains were sold as indentured servants, the event is regarded as the start of the African slavery in the colony history of the United States. So mm. this white lion ship is supposed to be the first ship that brought the first slaves and started the whole entire slavery shit in the u.s so there's a racist overtone right there for you got it while the clays are driving in one of the scenes the clock in their car reads 1619 or 419 if you google that there is a 1619 project and it's an ongoing initiative from the New York Times Magazine that began on August 2019 for the 400th anniversary of the beginning of the American slavery. It aims to reframe the country's history by placing the consequences of slavery and the contributions of Black Americans at the very center of our national narrative. And just as a right reminder, as previously mentioned, the White Lion ship brought over the slaves also in the year 1619. So mm. that's like a current project being run by the New York Times in order to reshape slavery or something. Okay. Did you ever watch the show Mr. Robot? Uh, That was the one with Remy Malek and he was like the computer hacker and shit. Yeah, Yeah. I watched some of that for a while. Okay, so there's a Mr. Robot connection. I've never seen it. Oh, okay. Uh, The show Mr. Robot parallel. So Kevin Kevin Bacon is in this movie as well. And his character, his name is Danny. And he's like the doomsday prepper guy. Like that's his role. He. He knows everything. He's like totally set up for this is ha- if this is going to happen. He's the kind of guy whose house you would want to go to. So early on in the movie, there was a clip of him loading the bed of his truck with water, canned goods, stuff like that. Amanda kind of, you know, sees him but doesn't really think much of it. In the bed of his truck while he's loading everything are containers with an E-Corp sticker. 
And there was also a laptop in the movie with the same E-Corp logo on it inside of the rental house at some point. E-Corp is the giant evil corporation in the TV series Mr. Robot. Oh. I didn't know because I've never seen the fucking show. Gotcha. There was also a mention of a hacker nearly causing a meltdown at a power plant, which was a direct reference to the television show. That was one of the early theories of what was happening, you know, in the world. Mm. Additionally, Amanda had a vacation book titled Beach Towel by Otto Irving, who was a character from Mr. Robot in a book that the character from Mr. Robot wrote in the show. Oh. Lastly, Mr. Robot was written and directed by <laughs> director Sam Ismail, the same writer and director of this movie. So well, then he, that makes he's sense. confirmed that it's supposed to be like an after, I don't know how the show ended, but like a afterward and the world is going to end fucking thing. But the, the, there's intentional relation between yes. the two. Got it. Another big thing that happens in the show is the deer. A lot of people talk about the deer. In the beginning of the movie, daughter Rose first spotted a deer near the pool. As the movie goes on, there are more and more deer seen, and they start to become more and more ominous. In the end of the movie, Amanda and Ruth are searching for Rose, and Ruth suddenly is surrounded by hundreds of deer, and they look creepy as fuck. The director explained, quote, deer are peaceful creatures. To turn that sweet image into this now sort of ominous, menacing, almost warning. I thought it was really interesting. That's the trick about this movie. We always tried to take things that were never really considered a threat and turn it around on them, end quote. Um, to be fair, one of the scariest things that I have ever seen was a field of deer. And the reason it was so scary, <laughs> we were in Cambria once. We had gotten like an Airbnb and so down the street from the house that we we're at was this big grassy park. So it's like the house or the neighborhood, this park, and then there's the beach. Mm -hmm. And all of the deer would just kind of congregate at this park. Oh. And so like there was an abnormal amount of deer, but they would mm -hmm. all hang out there in the late hours, early morning. So when you're driving in the dark and you turn and all you oh, see is just the light reflecting off of 30 deer's eyes. It was very creepy. So so that's how this movie is. So the first time you see it, you go, oh, there's a deer. And then it's like a deer and it's baby. But then it's the poor fucking daughter, Rose. No mm -hmm. one's watching, but she's watching. And she looks and she's like, oh, a deer. And then she's in like this really big backyard, kind of like my old house surrounded by trees. And then just all of a sudden, all these deer start coming out. And she's like, does no one fucking see this? And no one's listening to her. So no, no one sees it. But it keeps getting more and more, like I said, until the final culmination scene where there is hundreds and hundreds of deer. And you're like, are they going to kill this girl? Are they going to attack? It's like a very tense situation the only animal that i would be unbothered by having a very large formation would be crows because i want a crow army i want my own murder under my command and i am determined to make friends with the neighborhood crows and when we go to gracie school there's like so many of them in the trees when we turn onto her street and i feel like they're all just waiting for me their their queen has arrived i want to be a crow queen I feel like that's more terrifying than deer. And did you know crows have spectacular memories and they hold grudges? Yes, but that's why I always say hello and I will leave <laughs> shiny things and I will throw a cheese it every now and again because I want them to like me. Good luck with that. I want them to do my bidding, but I don't okay. want 1,500 <laughs> squirrels in my backyard, but I'll take a bunch of fucking birds and then I can send I like them off to 
do my dirty work, go First shit all over people's you. cars. <laughs> you crow shit mid-flight? I imagine most birds do, but I can't say for certain. I've never asked one. Well, when you befriend them, you can, you know, <laughs> find out for me and get back. I'll let you know. <laughs> okay, so Charlie Evans, who played Archie in the movie, he said that he believed the deer were a visual metaphor for the connection to the natural world, how we treat it, how it moves around us, and how we don't really think about it as carefully as we should. Ruth's character said that she believed the deer are indicative of what's going on with the power and the lack of movement in people. Other people theorize that the increasing number and hostility of the deer is a direct parallel to the fear and mistrust that infects each of the characters as the normalcy of the world around them slowly erodes. Looks like you had no pants on for a second. I have gym shorts on. (laughs) (laughs) As the strange occurrences mount, the characters become more and more suspicious of each other. The closer the characters get to a true breaking point, the more deer that there are in the woods and the less innocent that they appear. That comes to head, like I mentioned earlier, in the final standoff between Ruth, Amanda, and the massive herd of bucks, which I, like I said, mentioned earlier. So I agree with that theory that it's supposed to, again, like the paintings and the mural and all that stuff, it's supposed to just kind of get increasingly more hostile as the movie progresses. Intentionally, yeah. It's all supposed to make you feel super uneasy, which it did a great job in my opinion. So now we're going to talk about the devil and the Antichrist. Uh, Again, most of this was from Crazy Pants off tiktok Mm -hmm. but like i said she has a very big following about it so i figured i'd bring it in in the very first opening scene of the movie ethan hoff's character is laying in bed and there is on the left of the screen there's a coffee mug with a six that is highlighted it's 76 but you can really only see the six there is a clock on the nightstand pointed at six where's the third one a six on the digital clock to the right of him creating six 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 In the final scene of the movie, there are multiple computers in a room. And one of the computer screens read 6.999.310. If you flip the image upside down, which I think is doing too much, but, you know. Put the thing down, flip it and reverse it. It's there, flipping up and down. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) So if you flip the image, the screen reads 666.die, D-I-E. Oh. So it's kind of ominous. A little bit. That's about all I have for devil. Now we're going to kind of go into the Illuminati that I mentioned earlier and a big secret cabal. At one point, a little more than halfway into the movie, Amanda and G.H. have a talk. And G.H. tells her about a conversation he has with a client slash friend who is a big deal. He's a higher up person with a very super secretive job. He will not, you know, say the person's name, but he's like, he's so famous. If I mentioned it, you would instantly know who I was talking about. Mm -hmm. The client asked GH at some point close to when this all, you know, the world basically started to end to move some of his money. GH said, quote, he tells me he's going away for a while. I joke back to him. Oh yeah. You hang in with your evil cabal over the weekend, but he doesn't laugh. All he said was take care of yourself. End quote. So it was like a very sobering moment. And even Amanda was like, okay, you just totally ruined everything. Now I'm terrified. Why did you have to kind of say that? (laughs) <laughs> so the inference in that is that the, uh, the cabal infiltrated the highest offices of government or a third party military industry or both and developed and deployed the strategy of developing cultural division in America, applying economic pressure, inflation of the money supply from the Federal Reserve, mm-hmm. lighting the fuse by turning out the power and flying to bunkers to wait for 300 million Americans to murder each other over the last can of spaghetti. So 
in the movie, as everything's getting worse, people are starting to turn on each other. Everyone, you know, mistrusts everyone. They're doing the COVID hoarding of the toilet paper, paper and the canned <laughs> goods and all that stuff. And then there's a couple people with a bunker and like one specific bunker is mentioned and it's shown at one point. So they're like, that's one of the theories is that whether it's fictional about the movie or, you know, somehow paralleling real life, if this were to happen, it was created by, you know, this Illuminati or big group of secret people type thing. And they have bunkers that they're going to stay in and they're just going to wait for Americans to kill each other so they don't have to do it kind of thing. I 100% believe something like that would play out. I agree. So now we're going to talk about predictive programming. Oh. Other people believe that this movie has predictive programming. The movie is programming the masses to accept that this is how the narrative will unfold when the big thing happens, whatever that thing may be. I have heard something to that effect. So it's like you're just desensitizing everyone to all Mm -hmm. of these like catastrophic things happening. So once it really does, they're like, well, we knew this was coming. Conspiracy theorists believe that the big club are confessing what they plan to do and delighting in broadcasting to the world. So the big club, the Illuminati, the head honchos, whatever weird, ominous conspiracy theory group that you believe is leading the world. People are saying that they released this movie on purpose to say, this is exactly what we're going to do, but you guys are so dumb. You don't realize it and you just think it's entertainment, but come to find out this is how it's going to go down and we're going to laugh at your deaths. What proponents of the theory of predictive programming argue is that the government creates media about disasters to program the population to accept this, that it can happen before they pull the trigger on it, and educate the population on how the responses will unfold so they will comply. Some examples is quarantine, testing, the masking, the vaccination. So people are pulling a lot of COVID into this saying they put out this giant disease or whatever and they're fear-mongering and they wanted to see how far they could get you know the american people to comply and now that they've done that and they were successful they're going to keep doing it and that's just going to help implement the their big plan to destroy the world okay well great i kind of believe that i mean i could see that but i also think that after you know the years of exposure to all of that shit like everyone is fucking done like that's not gonna happen again like there is not a fucking chance i think if they wanted to they being the you know collective they they should have done it when covid hit because that's when everyone was complying and terrified that would have been the time to do it not not three years later five years later when everyone's so fucking annoyed with it and it gave everyone masked me right (laughs) um so an alternative theory is that with the double slit experiment we are just programming our own movie through the act of perception i don't know what that means but it sounded profound it sounds gross double slit i don't know Uh, just Uh, And then now I'm just going to go through the kind of random remaining Easter eggs that didn't really have a category that they could be put into. Sure. In many clips of the movie, you can see that Archie, who was seemingly always on the left, is wearing an Obey t-shirt. And his sister Rose, who's always on the right of him, is wearing a NASA t-shirt. Some believe that the movie was trying to signify viewers to obey NASA. And apparently many people, mostly conspiracy theorists, have a big problem with NASA. 
not only because they believed the moon landing was faked and Operation Paperclip, which was a covert project to bring Nazi scientists to America to work on their space program, they've done a million other things that people hate them for. So some people say, oh my God, they want us to obey NASA, even though I distrust that program entirely. Gotcha. One of the characters uses a key to unlock a door at one point. And this bullet point, again, going back to crazy pants, so take it with all the salt in the world. She zoomed into the key, like it's it's showing like a lock and then the key going in and like the head of the key. And she zoomed into it and found that the key was a Baldwin 03. The fuck? She said, if you Google that, something pops up. I Googled it. I don't know how she got it to, I don't know what page of Google she was on, but it's most definitely not on the first couple of pages. Um, but I did find the article she was referencing. So she said, if you Google it, you will find an article titled Baldwin MA, so Massachusetts, 2003. So that would be Baldwin 03 if you wanted to make it fit. And that article was about patient advocacy and the Affordable Care Act and a growing need for nurses to be culturally aware. That was the title of the article. But let us not forget that Obama created the Affordable Care Act, and he is one of the executive producers. So maybe he did intend to put something like that in. Who knows? That seems like a huge stretch, but okay. So that was all my examples. But as far as the TikTok creator was going, um, I couldn't find all her videos because I don't have TikTok and it doesn't let you just watch them. I normally find it through Facebook. However, I did discover a Reddit page specifically about her about how she has gone bananas. She is extremely into biblical signs and the anti- she called Obama the Antichrist oh. in one of her videos. And she believes everything she finds is decoding and that she needs to be locked up. So it sounds like she has a mental disorder. <laughs> a so I just want to give credit to a couple of websites because like I said, most people are talking about this as kind of all the same information, but some of it was a little different. So we have Crazy Pants on TikTok. We have the website, The Mary Sue, The Escapist, Esquire, Men's Health, Screen Rant, Movie Web, and that's it. Yeah, that was, at least half of those are like notable sources. Yeah, so everyone's very into this topic. That's what got me to want to watch the movie because I wanted to see what everyone was talking about. But see, I feel like, yeah, the world is divided. There's the camp watching this movie and then there's the camp watching Saltburn. <laughs> I know. I keep seeing, now that I've mentioned it, I keep seeing people reacting to it or, or just videos about it, but I have no idea what they're talking about because I haven't watched it. I did try. I did not get very far. You did not try very hard. But you know, to be fair, I fell asleep when I tried to watch it. And maybe I'll try to watch it again. But yeah. if I had to dedicate three hours, we'll see. <laughs> it did go by very quickly. Okay. That's because normally I don't like a three hour movie. I think it's excessive, but I actually kind of got caught up in it. So I have found that it's my attention span is for shit lately. So with the exception of Saltburn, which I have watched multiple times now, I ended up watching I, w- I was like on a movie kick and I'm like, I want to watch a couple movies. So I watched Promising Young Woman. Have you seen that? Who is it with? It has Harry something. I don't remember what her name is. That's not helpful. But it's kind of like the premise is this girl goes out and like acts super fucking like ripped and drunk and the guys I've take her home. I've seen it, but I've heard about it. Yeah. And she sees what they're going to do in her compromised state and then she like turns around and fucks them over because of it. Yes. Like, yes. yeah. I've seen so, clips on Facebook. That That's was actually so very interesting. <laughs> It was, it is dark. And yeah, so if you think it's like a fun rom com or something, no, it's very like dark content. 
And then what was the other? Oh, and then I watched Killing of a Sacred Deer just because I've been on a Barry Keoghan kick. That movie was fucking weird. I don't recommend that one for you. But <laughs> And also I'm nervous about Salt Lick because Bird? today, whatever, <laughs> Salt Bird, whatever. I saw something on Facebook and it was about it. So I didn't want to watch it, uh, but I, I always like to read the comments because I'm 90 and I live on Facebook. Yep. And one of the comments mentioned something to the effect of, oh, the cum scene? The bathtub scene, yeah. Okay, the fact that you're like so chipper about it, I I don't know what you're getting me into and I I don't trust you. <laughs> it's because I want to know how you react because very vanilla people who don't have a lot of exposure to weird shit are going to react one way or then there's someone who's like me who just reads really fucked up shit constantly so I'm desensitized so I'm like oh this is just another walk in the park this is very entertaining for me <laughs> okay so it's more just a, a pulse check because I'm curious what your thoughts are <laughs> okay I will watch it at some point I just I didn't yet well yeah we'll come back to that we'll see <laughs> anyway what do you want to cover next week I was thinking I might want to dip a toe into the world of human cloning. Oh, okay. And human cloning in and of itself, and then the claims of clones of people existing in the world that have okay. replaced certain celebrities. So, okay. yeah, we're going to, I want to explore that a little bit. That's exciting. All right. Yeah. So I'm sure we'll we'll talk about Dolly and then mm-hmm. he moves on from there. I just stabbed myself in the roof of my mouth. <laughs> Are you, were you a sheep in a past life? You had a very <laughs> visceral reaction to that. Yes. I wasn't supposed to tell anyone. Are you a clone? A human clone of Dolly the sheep, maybe? I am. I was murdered by you as a young child and someone brought me back. No. But anyway, if you oh, I got distracted. research us, we have... Oh, by the way, I tried to get us a sponsorship with Audible and we were denied. (laughs) I saw something about that in the emails, but I didn't read it. We don't have enough listeners (laughs) or engagement with our listeners, whatever. Anyway, if you want to reach us, we have an Instagram, Crack Sisters Conspiracies. We post every week. You can send us DMs of episode suggestions, feedback, but nice feedback. We have a Twitter and a Facebook, barely. We have a TikTok that you're working on. Added a new clip the other day. Oh I'm working on procuring content for that. And then we have an email, crackedsistersconspiracies at gmail.com that you can send us an email to if you're not an Instagram user. And then lastly, we have a Patreon, which I mentioned. If you are a member of the Patreon, you get to see us. We record video of what we look like and we post it on there. As well as each episode, I try to upload related images. There's or supplemental. Yeah. So everything I talked about specifically in this episode will be up for you to kind of view and and put like a picture to my words. So So you should go check it out and give us your money because you like listening to us so much and you want us to keep doing this. Yeah. And with that, I'm going to say stay cracked, y'all. And have a great day.